about. I'm like, Father, where are you? This is like life and death. She's doing everything you're asking her to do. What, you know, why aren't you <laughs> changing mm-hmm. things or answering things? And it really tries your faith. And um, especially when they are at a point, especially through the depression where they can't feel anything. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today has been married 32 years and has had the opportunity to live in several parts of the world, including China. She is the mother of five, has three in-law kiddos, and one grandchild with a second on the way. She loved being a stay-at-home mom first and foremost, but has also been able to be a doula and childbirth educator for 18 years. She has started six small businesses, and only two of them lost money, by the way. And she is currently a life coach for parents of kids who are in any kind of crisis with self-harming, suicidal, anxiety, depression, or faith crisis challenges. She has worked in her church for decades and recently found out she loves working with the youth. I am pleased to present Sarah Visser. Sarah, are you ready to share your story of hope? Yes, I am. Awesome. Sarah and I met what feels like a million years ago. (laughs) When we were both living in Arkansas and we got to work together uh, on amazing choir that we helped lead back there. It was, it was so much fun. So let's break the ice today a little bit with a little known fact about you. And this is that you love to read more than watching movies. Yes. 100% (laughs) every time I will choose reading. Yeah. Tell me what is your favorite genre to read? So when I say I love it more than movies, I'm talking about when I want to take a break. So Mm. I'm not talking about some deep, teach me everything, let me get knowledge. I'm talking about, let me take a break and not think. Yes. So when I'm talking about that, it's just, just give me any really great novel that's going to capture my, my mind. And I'm all in, all in young adult fiction, adult fiction, historical fiction, whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> all genres. <clears throat> I just, it's just a really great way for me to just stop my brain for a minute and and relax so yeah it's always my choice so you always you tend to use it as a stress reliever then mm-hmm. an escape yep that is what i do as well well sarah we're going to dive into a little bit of your story today and life doesn't always play out how we imagine it will does it <laughs> no let's just say life never plays out how we imagine it will <laughs> right we can we can totally count on that Yes. I believe that we can count on that. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. So why don't you give us a little bit of background um, and then dive into this especially challenging glitch that came up in your family's story that has changed the trajectory of what you do. Yeah. My whole life has changed because of this. So I just want to start out by saying that while life never goes like we expect, that's also on the good side. Like there are things that we've experienced and been able to do that I never dreamed would happen in my life that have been amazing. And 
we get the other half of that too, right? Where there's things come up that we just could have never dreamed or expected and would have never signed up for. Mm-hmm. Never. <laughs> and yes. here we are, right? Thank goodness. Because in the middle and on the other end, we start to see that maybe there can be some good in it. Maybe there can be some change and some learning. So um, we have five kids from 30 to 13. And some years ago, one of our kids, um, one of our daughters, the one we were the least worried about, um, came into a really deep depression. And that started over about a year's time. Um, And we weren't even super aware of it in the beginning. Um, Didn't have any experience with depression at that time in our family. And um, so we're pretty unaware of what was happening and her too, for that matter. Um, There were some events that happened that kind of were catalysts. And um, then over time, it just got worse and worse. So at one point she came to me and said, mom, I want to hurt myself. And of course blew my mind. And this was between eighth and ninth grade, um, towards the summer. Well, actually the fall, um, of her ninth grade, um, the events that were kind of catalytic happened at the end of eighth grade. And then through the summer, she seemed great. And then going into the fall, she was, you know, having a hard time wanting to go to school, things like that. Um, but not really pinpointing that this is what was happening. So when she came and said that, wow, that like got my attention, her attention. And, um, from there we just, she sunk into a really, really deep, deep depression for probably five, five and a half years. And, um, kind of went through everything, self-harm, suicidal ideation. She didn't ever try to commit suicide. Um, so I have not experienced that. Um, but she has written suicide notes. She, um, kind of, yeah, had some, a lot of thoughts about that a lot of thoughts of escaping, running away um, type of thing, just to get away from everything. Um, Those kinds of things. Um, Also kind of a brush with anorexia. She played around with that for a little bit and wasn't eating and, you know, kind of starving herself. So some really rough things that we didn't have any experience in. And I'm just like, just sorry (laughs) that those of you who've been through this know what it looks like to see the lights go off and such a lit up child. And, um, it was really painful to watch and to not know what to do to feel so helpless and hopeless. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, just trying to get our feet under us and get some traction. And when someone has a a mental break like that takes a long, long time for most people to heal and to figure it out and to come out of that. And, um, so that's kind of where our, my story comes from and, um, how we, experienced that and dealt with that has a whole bunch of facets, all of that, um, a lot of that in the gospel and our beliefs in a savior who loves us unconditionally, who understands exactly what we're feeling, exactly what we're going through. Um, my daughter's desire to at first turn to him and then not feeling anything, um, when she felt like she was really trying to find hope and, um, peace through him. And then her actually turning away from it completely and leaving the church and deciding to live with someone and, um, just, wow, we've just, I feel like we really experienced almost all of it. Um, but she is alive today. And, um, a lot of that comes through some of the things that she chose, um, to try to find hope and, and healing through all of that. So Hmm. I don't know if that's kind of what you're looking for in just like an overview of it or, Absolutely. And I can only imagine 
take me through some of the thoughts that you had as a parent, because I know that as a parent who has children who struggle with mental illness, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the thoughts that you end up having. um, And, and why don't, why don't we dive into a little bit of that? And some of the things that you were able to do to help her, because often when, when we have situations like this, that where we don't know what we can do, we have to turn to professionals. And so who you ended up turning to the, the things that you tried, didn't try, didn't work. Maybe some of them did. um, And, and what finally helped her pull out of the depression if she did. Yeah. So she, um, in the beginning, she didn't want any help. Right. And Mm. so, because we didn't realize the depth she was already at, we, um, just talked a lot, like a lot about prayer, fasting, talking, being open with us. That's one thing, huge blessing. She wasn't ever angry at John and I, my husband. So she did use us as a resource and mostly me. Um, and was really open most of the time. Um, and so that's amazing. I know that everyone has such a different experience with this. I also wanted to say that my experience is our experience perfectly designed for us and our daughter. And so sometimes I think it's hard to hear these stories because our child hasn't found hope yet. Mm-hmm. And so then it's really hard to listen to someone who's on the other side of it mm-hmm. because we start. And I know that because while we were in the middle of it, lots of thoughts would come to my mind about Heavenly father, where are you? This is like life and death. She's doing everything you're asking her to do. What, you know, why aren't you mm-hmm. changing things or answering things? And sorry, I didn't think I was going to be emotional because I've been able to talk about this for a long time now without crying, but um, it really tries your faith. And um, especially when they are at a point, especially through the depression where they can't feel anything because they are feeling so low, which is one of the reasons people self-harm, right? They can't feel anything and they just want to feel anything. So they're willing to even harm themselves for it. So um, lots of times I had a lot of thoughts about um, comparing her with other kids and seeing what she was missing Mm-hmm. And where um, I thought she would be and what she would get to experience in those years. And not only that, also the light she would bring to the world. Cause this is a child who um, had like a, has a very deep heart and loves like no other, like she just wanted, she wants to take the world's pain on her. She doesn't want anyone else to suffer. So to watch her being the one held back from being such a light in the world was really hard for me to understand. Um, why that would be her path when she had so much to give and the world's hurting already. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was something I thought a lot about and um, still don't know all the answers to that, except for the growth that all of us had through this and especially her. Um, So sorry, this probably isn't really going to be in order, but um, some of the things that we tried um, eventually we gave her kind of an ultimatum, either you're going to get checked into a facility this weekend, or you're going to start seeing a counselor, totally fine, whatever you want to choose. So of course she chose the counselor. So that started her working with a counselor, which again, takes a lot of time. It's, there's no quick fix in my experience with this. Um, and then the people that we know and love, um, she at first was very unwilling to let it help her. (laughs) She didn't really open up or anyway, it took a long time. I would say six or seven months before she really started to maybe feel like it was maybe helpful, but that didn't change 
now the addiction to self-harm and the rush that she would get from that, even though it sounds so unhealthy at the time, it's, you can feel something. And so it feels good. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that took a lot of time for her to come to a place where she wanted to stop that and wanted to, um, try to find other ways to cope and to deal with things. One of her coping mechanisms became that we would drive for hours and that never happened before like midnight. So we would be out on the country roads of Arkansas, uh, two in the morning, driving, just driving, 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 talking. And I think it allowed her to just come down, calm down just a little from wherever she was at. Um, We also, um, she was very, very, very firm, passionate that she was not going to take medication. Um, We were super open to it and, but she was not. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting that, um, that her, neither her physician or her counselor ever brought that up to us. It's so interesting to me looking back, like, why didn't they bring that up to us? So this also was like a huge thing because we were getting a lot of pressure from friends and family that she should be on medication but literally it would have been a battle. Like you can't force feed a 16 year old, their medication, right? No, no, you can't. So, um, but I was being super prayerful about that. I came to a place that did a lot of research and with her personality and everything, I, I wanted to be supportive of that decision for her. Um, and so I was being super prayerful, like just praying like Heavenly Father, we've, I've researched, I've talked to people, I have done all the steps and I'm feeling confident about supporting her and not taking medication. No answer, like zero, (laughs) nothing. And so, you know, for a few nights, I'm fine with that when I have that quiet time to think and ponder and pray. And, but eventually I started being like, no, Heavenly Father, like this is life and death. Like, this isn't one of those times where either thing's fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing all the steps. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, this is really important. And in that time I had gone in to meet with our state president about something else. And he was unaware of all the situation, um, and is an old family friend and said something to me like, Oh, how's it going? And of course I just bleh, started crying and just, anyway, filled him in a little bit about what was happening. And I remember he was just like listening, listening, listening. And I was telling him specifically about this, about praying, about whether or not she should, it was okay if she didn't get on medications. So it's not even like I was asking him, should she? Like in my Mm -hmm. mind, I'm like, no, I'm really doing this. Like we decided Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not answering. So I'm telling him all this. And he just paused for a minute when I stopped talking and looked right at me and just said, you need to grow up in your prayers. And I was Mm. just like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? And he said, you need to grow up in your prayers. Like you need to just go with it. Like you need to know that the spirit's always with you. And if you are having thoughts that are leading you to a certain conclusion and you pray and you don't get an answer, then your conclusion is right. It was always the spirit helping you have that feeling and that thought. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You ponder it out. You decide you come to me. I'll burn your bosom, all this stuff. Right. Or however the spirit talks to you. And I'd had many experiences with that, relying on answers to prayer and knowing that Heavenly Father had answered my prayer. And so um, I left there thinking that's not true (laughs) and um, really played around with that for the next six to eight months, I think around there before I finally came to a place where I was like, oh, that's actually true. Hmm. Like, I think there was a thought in there somewhere. I'm not a person that always has the spirit with me. That's, that's not, I don't know why I thought that it's not like I was down on myself. Um, I just didn't think that 
I was there, that that spirit was actually helping my thoughts, my thinking all along the way. And so I just started kind of experimenting with that. And that has been a really, one of the biggest lessons I think that came out of this for me is that we are always being prompted by the spirit. If we're allowing the spirit in our lives in the best way we can, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I miss my scripture study. Sometimes I don't make time for the temple, right? Like I'm just like all of you, but the spirit is like, if we're, if our desire is heavenly father, which it is for most of us, even in our humanness, Mm -hmm. then the spirit is with us and it is helping us in our thinking of our normal thoughts that we're having. So that was like a huge learning for me and something I'm really grateful for that's come out of that, that helps me move forward without so much hesitation and waiting, um, is I just keep moving. I still think it out. I decide, I pray. Sometimes I still get an answer and lots of times I don't. Mm -hmm. And I just go then. Okay. Well then it's great. The spirit's with me and I'm doing the right thing and I'm just going to keep moving. So, um, so I'm really thankful for that experience. Um, that seemed so, so important that I get that answer so that I could relax about it and no, no. Okay. And what I really wanted Heavenly Father to tell me is like, she's not going to die if she doesn't get on medication. Mm-hmm. We don't get that. We don't get to have yeah. that knowledge, right? Then we don't have to act in faith anymore. So, yeah. so that was kind of a big thing um, that came out of it. I'm trying to think what else did we, did we do um, a lot, a lot, a lot of time and talking that really worked for her. I slept with her for seven months mm-hmm. every night, just to keep her from doing things that she knew would take her down a hole which was self-harm or whatever else (laughs) was going on in her mind at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was the right choice at the time. It's not going to work for everyone, right? Like I feel Mm -hmm. like as parents, we got to trust our gut, but also um, there comes a time where your child is ready to take on their own health and their own decisions. And um, again, someone else called that out to me and I'm super still heavenly father continues to put people in your life at the right time. Um, I was telling uh, another individual about this and they're like, oh, so what are you going to do? Like check her shoulders. You're going to make her take her clothes off and check her thighs. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, (laughs) Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then why are you sleeping with her? And I was like, oh, well, this is kind of like, it felt different to me than it had Mm -hmm. before. And it made Mm -hmm. me kind of think, oh yeah, I think we're done with this phase. I think Mm -hmm. that it's time for me to, to change this. And, um, along right about that time too. So it's not like things were getting better for her at this point along about that time too. I also, um, while I was still sleeping with her, she had a bathroom in her room, got up in the night to use the restroom and had a prompting there. Her journal was sitting there and I just had this thought read her journal. So I opened it up and read it to find that night she had written a suicide note. (laughs) So that was a rough one. I'm not going to lie. Like I didn't. I was up the whole night. Of course she was asleep at this point. Um, excuse me. And in those hours of fear and just not only terror about her life, but just seeing that she had that much pain, it's really, oh, painful to, to see someone you love know that, okay, this is where she's at and Mm -hmm. that she could be in that place in her mind. That's a lot of pain for someone. Um, someone who really wants to live, right? Like she, yeah. So I, those hours are actually kind of sacred to me now. I just, excuse me. 
we had a little um, pellet stove in our living room and I turned it on, was sitting in front of it and just praying, praying, praying about what to do. And the scripture kept coming to my, my scriptures kept coming to my mind about choosing faith over fear. And this is like kind of my mantra now. And it was then, I can't tell you how many days I chanted literally in my head, I'm choosing faith, I'm choosing faith, choosing faith (laughs) over Mm -hmm. and over. And that's kind of what got me through the night is I had to come to a point where I accepted that she literally could choose to end her life. And there was nothing I could do about that, that I literally couldn't save her. And I feel like that's where kind of everything changed for me. Um, that I could choose to be okay with whatever Heavenly Father's plan was for her. That if she came to a place where she was in so much pain that she ended her life, that that was his plan, that it was not a surprise to him, that it was okay, that we would survive it, that, you know, that we would handle whatever came with it. And once I fully, fully embraced that, it literally changed how I started showing up for her. Even, Mm. um, I, was making a lot of decisions up until that point based on fear and trying to save her. And this is also the part of the story where, um, I, a friend recommended a podcast of a life coach and I started listening to it. And that also really opened up my mind to this idea of, um, what happens when we're, we're making choices based from fear and it's never anything we're going to like ever. Mm But when we can make choices based on faith, well, then how do we do that? We have to literally cling to what we believe about our heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ. Everything else is, we don't know. Mm -hmm. Anything could change at any time for any one of us in the world. That never changes. It's the only thing. And so between those podcasts and all this thinking, I came to a place where um, I started just trying to make choices on faith. And kind of betting on faith instead of betting on fear and what could happen. And as I did that, then I feel like that's where all of us started to get some traction in a better path. Again, that was maybe halfway through. So we still had three, three and a half years of really difficult times ahead of us, but it, it did change everything to just let it all go and realize I'm trying to be a savior here. And I'm never, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not her savior. I'm not anyone's savior. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's a hard thing for us to realize as parents, because I think just, especially as moms, we want to nurture and help our children so much, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. We do have to reach a point, especially as they reach those adult years that you give them to God yeah, <laughs> and say, I know you love them more powerfully and perfectly than I can. And I love them a lot. Yeah. And so I'm going to trust that you've got this, even though it's hard for us to give over that control. I don't know. I don't know what else to call it, but the you control know, we don't really have the, con- yeah, this idea, this illusion yes. of control that, and oh my still, gosh, yeah. it's, it's true. We have no control over that. They, yes gosh, I don't know about you, but most of my kids are pretty independent souls. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And they've got their opinions and their ideas about everything. And, you know, as much as I'd like to think that I influence them, I really think they make a lot of their own decisions. And 
there you go. So I can't take credit for their successes or their failures. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just, I'm just doing my best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But that's a huge milestone to come to as mm-hmm. a parent. Um, I remember actually feeling that way. You, you knew me in my younger years where my Jacob was a chronic escape artist and yes, running straight into the street and mm-hmm. found him on the neighbor's roof one time and getting ready to jump in the neighbor's, a different neighbor's pool at another point. And, you know, he just was insane. And I remember reaching that point with God and just saying, I am doing like my very best. I've even hired a nanny to help me because I just can't keep track of all my kids, especially this one who needs 24 hour supervision or he's going to hurt himself. (laughs) And I just remember telling God from this point on, I'm just going to give this to you. And if he gets hit by a car, I, I'm going to know that I have done everything I can and I'm putting everything like I, I, the balls in your court. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm going to continue think, to be watchful. Yes. It's not like I'm going to stop, but I'm not superhuman. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can't do this anymore. I'm too exhausted. I'm too worn out. I physically cannot do this mm-hmm. anymore. And I think we, we have to almost reach that point as parents mm-hmm. and, and, and get to that point where we submit yes. to God yes, and acknowledge, okay, you're the perfect parent. I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that word submit. Yeah. Anyway, that's a hard lesson to learn though. And, and you usually don't learn it until you're like your own rock bottom, you know, kind of yeah. like you did that one night where you're like, <gasps> yeah, nothing else would push that. You know, it's, it's the only way that's how this earth is designed, you know? Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more lessons, tips, and things you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tamara K. Anderson, and I want to share something special with you. When our son Nathan was diagnosed with autism, I felt like the life we had expected for him was ripped away and with it my own heart shattered as well. It's very common for families to feel anger, pain, confusion, and anxiety when a child is diagnosed. This is where my book, Normal For Me, comes into play. It shares my story of learning to replace my pain with acceptance, peace, joy, and hope. Normal For Me has helped change many lives, and I'd like to give this book to as many families as possible. We put together something I think is really special. My friends and listeners can order copies of my book at a significantly discounted price, and we will send them to families who have just had a child diagnosed with autism or another special needs diagnosis. We will put your name inside the cover so they will know someone out there loves them and wants to help. I will also sign each copy. You can order as little as one or as many as hundreds to be shared with others. So go to my website, TamaraKAnderson.com and visit the store section for more information and to place your order. You can bless the lives of many families by sending them hope, love, and peace. Check it out today at TamaraKAnderson.com and help me spread hope to the world. I feel like one of the other big turning points for me um, and I kind of walked the line on this. I didn't ever get like super down on myself, like 
we didn't do enough. I wasn't aware enough. We should have seen this sooner. Like I was kind of okay with that. Cause I felt like, like I'm all in as a parent. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, but there, when she actually left the church and, um, decided to move in with her boyfriend at the time, that one was tough for me. That was another like really, really painful time. And we moved during that time and they actually decided to move with us before they'd moved in together and, um, to another state. And they, um, we just decided like early on, as she decided to leave the church, another friend told us this, a a Mm -hmm. mutual friend of ours Mm -hmm. told us, um, at that point who had had some kids leave the gospel, um, say, she said, you know, I just told my kids, you can leave the church, but you can't leave our family. And that kind of became our mantra. And John and I would have a lot of conversation about what does that look like? If Mm -hmm. we truly believe she has the agency to leave the church, she gets to choose that if she wants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's her, it's her privilege to choose that. Mm-hmm. This took a lot of talking to get to this point, by the oh, way, I'm making I'm it sure sound it so did. easy. It was not easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, then what does this look like in our family and how do we can, like, she's going off to college now. How do we support her? Will it look different than what we did for our other kids? Will it not? I don't, anyway, we had all these different conversations. So it comes, so we really felt like, um, if she's a part of our family, then she's part of our family, all of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really going to change what I'm saying or doing. And she doesn't have to change what she's saying or doing. It's all good. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we went through all the stuff about younger siblings being on the front row of this and it, it, it does affect them. It's okay. Yeah. It's all part of the plan. So, um, but the day we moved them in, <laughs> I held it together, helped them set up their bed, the whole bit. We're just moving them in together. But mm-hmm. when we left, I fell apart. I was just crying, crying, crying. Another one of those. Oh, so there was a thought in my mind, like, when you cross this bridge, you can't come back from this, which is not true. So mm-hmm. not true, but that's where I was in that moment. And then I had a lot of thoughts of like, did we do enough? You know, that she would turn away from everything that we know can bring her happiness and joy long-term. Um, where did, where did I miss? What teaching did I miss? You know, there had to have been more I could do. And I remember I was out walking maybe a week later and really suffering internally, just so sad about all of this grieving. It's really grieving. And, um, I just have this understanding. Sometimes Heavenly Father is how he talks to me. Sometimes I just have an understanding where I just know and understand something. And I know it's from him. And it was just that I had this understanding of, um, that as parents, we're literally supposed to mess up our childs in a way, our childs, our children in a way that we're, we were never supposed to be perfect parents. And he also reminded me, like, I just started thinking in my mind, like, have I been all in this whole time with heavenly father? Like, has my intention been 100% the whole time? Yes, I can stay. I like have the, this is my thinking. Yes. I know I can stand before heavenly father today, right now and say, Never at what time, one time was my intention, not 100%. Did we always get family home evening in? No. Did we always have prayer every morning, every night, the armor every day? No, but my intention was always 100%. That never lacked. It never, never failed. Mm -hmm. And so then what does that mean? If our intention was always there 100%, well, then it means that everything is great. It's all good. It's enough. And that was such a blessing to me at that time to be able to let go of that pain of maybe I could have done something different. Yeah, maybe I could have, 
but that was never heavenly father's plan. Mm-hmm. Or I would have felt or thought or learned something at a different time than what I did. And that was just a really huge turning point for me too, to continue to move through the grieving, which I think is important and not get stuck in it, but just to continue to allow all of that to happen without shame and guilt, because then that that's not heavenly father's plan for us. Mm. That's not how we grow. We never grow from shame or guilt. No, we, we grow don't, from understanding we? and acceptance and trust and faith. That's when we move forward. So I was really grateful for that experience also of just that realization that we don't have to be perfect. That was never the plan to be a perfect parent. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, it was interesting as you were telling that story, I was just thinking, so God is your daughter's parent, you know, but he's also your parent. Mm. And that we're each broken in our own way. And he's with each of us on our unique journey. And he doesn't want you to suffer more than you need to. And he doesn't mm-hmm. want your daughter to suffer more than she needs to. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want any of his kids to suffer more than they need to. And, and so it's, it's up to, it's between them and God. I love the parable of the prodigal son, you know, that as mm-hmm. soon as that young man turned towards home from a far away off, his father saw him. He was always watching always waiting. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's up to us to finally hit that point where we come to him and in our brokenness and just say, I need help. I'm struggling with guilt. I'm struggling with anxiety about Mm -hmm. being a mom, about being a parent, about Mm -hmm. that. I feel I haven't done enough. (laughs) And, and you having that realization, I'm the perfect parent. You don't have to be, you know, kind of that. Yes. Oh, Oh, really? Is that how that works? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> right? How come I never knew that before? <laughs> yes. But we and have these aha moments. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes yeah. like another little part to that, that, you know, you get all these pieces along the way, right? Mm-hmm. I kept feeling like there's got to be more I'm supposed to do. There's got to be, like I was desperate, almost frantic thinking, mm-hmm. what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? It's got to be something else I can say. It's got to be another something, scripture, blessing, what? And Heavenly Father taught me that sometimes there's nothing else I'm supposed to do. Mm. That was so foreign to me. I'm like pretty self-contained and motivated and like can make mm-hmm. things happen, right? And that was like a really huge little switch in my mind that like, I know that like, I love that scripture, be still. Mm then we just have to trust, like sometimes there's nothing else we're supposed to do. He's got it. He's got things working out there that we can't even see that he's Mm -hmm. weaving together. And that might be years from now. That might be a month from now, who knows, but it's happening. Like we can trust in that. And sometimes we can just know, Oh, just be still. There's nothing else I'm supposed to do. And he'll reaffirm that. Like I have a faith in that, that if we'll maybe open up to the idea that there's nothing else we're supposed to do that we're doing the right things. Like he'll, he'll reaffirm that to us. We'll feel that little peace with that thought that helps us know like, okay, we can let go. Mm, that let go and let God idea, Oof, right? It's rough. <laughs> it is. It is so hard to do, especially when you're in that moment where it's life and death, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To say, okay, <laughs> all right. 
it takes trust and faith to a whole different level. Yeah. When it's, when what we want, we have to lay on that altar. Yeah. Say this. Okay. Maybe I'm not right here. That was another big thing before this. (laughs) I would have always thought, no, it's not okay for someone to go live with someone. No, Uh that's not Heavenly Father's plan. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just throw out the idea that maybe sometimes it's his plan. Mm. Does he want us to suffer and have pain? No, but does he, are we here to learn? Yes. And now my daughter's come back to us, come back, whatever you want to call it, come back to herself, to her own testimony, to her own thoughts and feelings about heavenly father. And I don't think she could have, if she hadn't fully left, Mm. I never would have thought that was true before ever, Mm. but for her, I'm not sure she could have ever been all in. Mm. I think God respects each of us enough to let us choose our own path. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that looks a little nuts. It's a little backwards and sideways and all over the place. And the crazy thing is he loves us and stands by us through it all. And is there watching and waiting (laughs) as soon as we're like, yes, maybe I'll go back home. I've had enough of this wallowing in the mud and eating the food food. that swines eat. (laughs) I think it's time for me to go home. (laughs) You know, we we have to come to ourselves as it says in that parable and make, make that decision ourselves. And I've talked to other people on this podcast who have had family members in addictions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. You can't fix them. They have to come to a point where they make the decision. Okay, I want the therapy. Okay, I am going to check myself into the treatment program, Mm -hmm. not because you did it for me. Mm -hmm. They have to come to that point themselves. Yeah, before it will ever be truly effective. Yeah. And gosh, don't we learn so much about agency? I thought I understood agency. I would have, I could have given a talk about agency before all of this, right? But that talk looks so different now than it Mm -hmm. did before. And one of the big things, and and I'll be careful how I word this. So I hope you'll get my meaning when I say this. I had a thought one day, like, wow, agency even trumps the atonement. Mm. And what I mean by that is we, Heavenly Father doesn't, like the atonement is all powerful and is there for anyone who wants it. And we have to choose if we're going to accept what the atonement can offer us. Like our agency is everything he's given us. And that really actually helped me in all of this and allowing her to take her path and keep her a part of our family and someone that we love and cherish and we're close to, um, that idea that, that, that is as, as just as sacred as the atonement, our mm. agency, It really was a different way of thinking for me, um, about, about our agency and has opened me up to love in a different way not just her, but lots of people. I was talking about my youth calling. Mm -hmm. I had never served in the youth in all of my years of being a member until just about three, four years ago and was so afraid to be in the youth. I thought it would be so scary and that I wouldn't be able to help them. And I don't know. I just thought of all the drama and everything that happens. And I feel like all of these experiences have opened me up that even just respecting them is respecting their agency and who they're becoming and how they want to walk that path and become all up to them Mm -hmm. we get to have some influence and we get to invite and we get to love that's about Mm -hmm. it (laughs) yeah that that really is it you're you've actually hit on it 
and the rest is their own journey. I remember reading a book on gratitude probably about a year ago now. And, and in this book on gratitude, it talked about being grateful, not only for our situation and all the good, but also all the bad that has happened to us in our life. Mm -hmm. And I remember after reading this book, I knelt down and I had probably one of the most heartfelt crying filled prayers I think I've ever uttered. <laughs> and I've uttered a lot of those yes. <laughs> through my years, but it was one where I started from as early as I can remember. And I thanked God for all of the challenges I've had in my life. Wow. And then I thanked him for the challenges in each of my children's lives. And that was really hard to do. Mm -hmm. But part of that prayer was, and thank you for this child's challenge with this specific, specific thing, mm -hmm. because this is their journey. Wow. And I'm thankful for it because I know eventually it will lead them back to you. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the hardest <laughs> prayers I think I've ever uttered, mm -hmm. but one of gratitude. But I felt at the end of it, I felt almost like God was hugging me and just saying, Tamara, mm -hmm. it's okay. That's exactly the approach you need to take. It's gratitude for the good, but it's also gratitude for those awful hard things, not only yours, but your children's. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I could have said that prayer five years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I wasn't at the point where I was, and st I'm still not entirely grateful for a lot of <laughs> things that I'm going through, but, yes. but just that that whole experience kind of expanded my vision and my view mm -hmm. that even these hard things work together for our good. And they're part of my journey. They're part of your journey. They're part of your daughter's journey. I Oof. think it's the only way that literally we can find hope. So I'm a huge proponent of light, which equates with hope, right? Kind of the same thing. I use the word light, maybe use the word hope, but I feel like these understandings are what allow us to find that peace, that hope, um, have that light still in our life so that it's not pitch black mm. when we're in those difficult times and having those, those, again, I feel like it's so important. Um, something I encourage in my life coaching is to write down, literally write down, not just have it in your head, but literally write down what you believe at your deepest, deepest core. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you believe? And for me, that kind of looks something along the lines of, I believe that my heavenly father is all knowing and that he's always working out in front of me to make everything happen for my good and the good of those I love. Okay. If I believe that, then that allows me to have just a little bit of hope in those really hard times, which are also a struggle, right? Like we have to relearn it every single time we have a new difficulty or reoccurring difficulty. Yes. We have to reapply the faith, the learning, all those things. But I feel like really getting really strong and deep on what we believe. It's really the only way, the only way to move through something in a healthy way, instead of fighting, stick, you know, being stuck, pushing back and that, that angst and darkness that comes inside of us when we're doing that, instead of turning to what we believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. It's, it's, it goes back to that choose faith over fear concept. My if mantra. you, if you know <laughs> what you believe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then 
then you got to cling to that, especially yeah. in those so when I say dark moments. repeat thousands of times in my head, I'm choosing faith. Today I'm choosing faith. Right now I'm choosing faith. Like literally, my daughter would call me from seminary or the school on the bathroom floor, sobbing, please come and get me. And I had had the thought, like we considered homeschool, all these different things, you know, we considered Mm -hmm. all the things and had felt like she had to do it. She had to do it or she would get stuck in this place. Mm. And so she's begging me to come pick her up. I can't tell you how many times I prayed and said, do I get her today or not? And sometimes I felt like I should go get her. And sometimes I felt like not. Mm. Those were the days I had to cling. (laughs) Okay, God. Get her. Yeah. But I knew that my father was telling me, nope, she needs to stay today. So along with that, like that care, that constant care he's giving us, it's not like I felt that every day. I want to be really realistic about that because it's easy to hear someone else's story and think Heavenly Father is not a part of my story. So Mm -hmm. much easier as I look back to see all the ways he was a part of my story. And I, I hit a point during all that where I started praying, please let me see how you're a part of this. Let me see your hand. I know you're here. I'm just not seeing it because I'm in the thick of it and it's painful and hard and all of that. Um, But I just also have a huge testimony that there are a lot of angels surrounding us and um, even our kids when we can't be there. Like I Mm -hmm. couldn't be with her every second of the day. It's impossible. Like you were saying with Jacob, you literally can't keep him safe 24 seven. He's going to get away sometimes, right? So he did. (laughs) So I have such a strong, like, I think that, um, one of the things that we can find some power in is remembering that it's not just me fighting this battle for this child. It's not just my husband fighting this battle for this child, heavenly father, of course, Jesus Christ, of course, and our loved ones who know and love them who have passed on. I have a, we had some really one particular night she has shared since then. Didn't know this then sure would have loved it. If she told me this then. <laughs> She told me a lot since that has helped make sense of a lot of things, but she told me uh, my mom had passed away maybe 13 years before this time. Mm -hmm. And she told me there was one night where she knew that she was there helping her to not die. And I was asleep in the bed in the room. Didn't know Mm -hmm. that she Mm -hmm. was at that point at that night at that time, but my father knew and he allowed my mom to be there. She didn't see her or anything like that, but she knew it was her and she knew that she was holding her kind of, there's so much power that we can turn to in those moments. And we can choose to think about those things instead of our fear, which is just as real. If we, it's like that story of which wolf do you feed? You know, Mm. we just have to stay, we have to constantly choose to what we believe. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. That is so true. And I've, I've had angel moments as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's usually in the darkest part of the night uh, when they come. And it, it, maybe it's just the darkest part of your story, but that when no one else is there, God yeah. is always there. Right. And he will send heavenly angels to be with and comfort you. And it's comforting to know that mm-hmm. and to keep believing that because like you said, we can't control so much. <laughs> I don't know why we try. <laughs> I know it's, it's part of human nature, right? We wouldn't have to act in faith if we didn't also have that desire to control and to be in charge of it and be able to manipulate it. Like, yeah, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have to act in faith without that. Yeah. One other thing. Um, I just, again, like I know some kids commit suicide and that is their story. And I literally, I want to say right now, like, I can't imagine what that would feel like as a parent or a loved one of a friend of someone who ends up taking that path. But in my journey of knowing that that was a possibility and accepting that that could happen, I just gained so much compassion for the person that actually is in that moment of deciding if they're going to continue to leave or live or not. And the place they come to in the, their mind, the pain that they must experience has made me just have love and empathy for those who have that be part of their story. And I hope that in, in someone hearing this that has maybe had a loved one who ended up passing on in that way, that they can hear my love for them and also our savior and heavenly father's love for them and their child or loved one, whomever it might be. It doesn't change their greatness. It doesn't change their story or their path or their eternities ahead of them. I really trust that heavenly father and he must love them so much and welcome them home so readily. Oh, and we've talked about that on my podcast too. And okay. it's, it's such a <laughs> yeah. hard I can't imagine being in that place. Um, but I've also talked to people who've had children or loved ones commit suicide. And um, one sweet mother told the story of her daughter who she just, even though her her pastor said, I can't, she said, please tell me she's with Jesus. Mm -hmm. He says, I don't know. So mm -hmm. she just prayed and prayed and prayed. And she says, please tell me you've got her. Mm -hmm. And she felt peace. And so she says, I know Jesus has her. Um, and that is what keeps me going, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a hard place to be in as a parent who loves so deeply, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. <laughs> and who wants the very best life for our kids, you know? Yeah. And I can only think that if, I being a mortal parent feel that way that God being a immortal and perfect parent wants the very best for us and will help us in his own timing and ways. Yes. I had one other guest come on once and talk about her mother who, who uh, became addicted to oxycodone and spiraled mm -hmm. into other addictions mm -hmm. as well. And when she finally died, the answer she got was, I'm still with her on her journey, you know, from God. That was the answer mm -hmm. she got mm -hmm. because she felt like everything was lost. And, and so it's comforting to know that God loves each of us enough that he's with us on our journey from before yes. we were born, clear through till when we'll finally get resurrected perfect bodies, you know? Yes. He's with that. each of us on that journey and it's going to look unique and different for each of us. Yeah. And I think it's easy to, this is the, where you were talking a little bit at the beginning about comparison. I think it's easy to compare at this point, even with my story, with my daughter. Well, how come Heavenly Father didn't send one of our loved ones to stop them from committing suicide? Mm. I don't know. I don't have the answer for that, but I promise you that Heavenly Father does. Mm. Yeah. And God he, does. Yeah. And 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know either. Just that if we trust that God is that all-knowing perfect God, yes, mm-hmm. then someday we will know and understand. Yes. Right. Someday we'll have that answer and it might not be until the next life. Yes. Yeah. And that's awful and hard. Right. <laughs> you're like, I want the answer now. I live in this instant society. I want my answer now. Thank you very much. <laughs> what if we can let go of needing to know by always going back to what we believe? Mm-hmm. Like for me, if I believe that Heavenly Father is all knowing and is always, not just sometimes, but always out in front of me working for my good and the people I love, then maybe suicide is part of that sometimes. Mm. I don't know. Like, I feel like um, maybe we can have peace in this life without the understanding. Mm. Now, that's true. Haven't, and haven't and maybe that's, that, so. and maybe that's what we need to seek for. Seek for the peace. Seek for the peace until the understanding comes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's powerful. Wow. This has been so powerful, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing journey and a little bit of your daughter's journey as well. It's, it's a blessing that God worked with her in her own way and her own time Mm -hmm. and has gently brought her back to the fold as she was ready. Yeah. 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 Tell me, has there been a Bible verse that has become particularly meaningful to you through the, through all of this? Okay, yes. Um, Joshua 1.9, and mostly just one phrase in this, but have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Of course, you've heard what I believe at the deepest core, and this scripture just oof, really talks to me in that way. And just that idea of not being afraid, which then the opposite of that is choosing faith. That's mm-hmm. the other option. And this, again, just really, really spoke to me and helped me in those times where I was struggling to cling to that, where the pain was trying to outdo the faith. And... um But when I concentrated and focused on these kinds of scriptures and thoughts, then the faith was able to come in and outdo the pain, even though it was still there. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Now you've mentioned several resources through all this, (laughs) being choose therapists Mm -hmm. for help Mm -hmm. along the way. Don't be afraid to open up and talk to friends. Are there any other resources? Obviously God. Yes. (laughs) Giving it all to God (laughs) and his angels. 100%. Yes. Number one resource right there. But are there any other resources that you've found that you would recommend to parents? And and don't be be afraid also to plug yourself there, you know, because this is what you do. Yeah. Okay. Me. I'm a great resource. I can help you. This is, I eventually ended up becoming a life coach and, um, my whole niche in life coaching is focusing on helping parents whose kids are in crisis, any kind of crisis, the tools and things that helped me get to where I got to, to be able to cope ended up helping my child. When I quit making decisions based on fear, when I quit uh, being frantic, um, all of that changed everything. I just, I can't say that enough. So 
I would love to help anyone that I possibly could. It's, it's really become my addiction, my own addiction. <laughs> I don't want to cook or clean or take kids places. I just really want to help people. <laughs> but um, the suffering in life is optional. That's what I'm going to throw out there. Pain is not optional. It is a part of this life. And it's a really important part of this life. But the, the suffering is optional. And that's what we have to kind of get our heads around. Um, secondly, another huge resource to us during this time that another friend told me about is um, How to Hug a Teenage Porcupine. Um, the author speaker is John L. Lund, but I've probably listened to these seven or eight times, not just once. Mm. And I've given them to so many friends and they've had the same experience as my husband has listened to them multiple times. It changed everything for us. It opened up the ideas of the pre-existence clear through eternity and our parenting role in such a way that I, I, I can't do it justice. If you don't do anything from this talk, do that. That's it's on <laughs> Deseret bookshelf. If you have Deseret bookshelf, you can download it and listen easily there, but you can also um, buy the CDs and put them on your computer or something. Um, and then um, also in that time, I went to a timeout for women and Michael McLean was there and told his story of where he had a faith crisis and it was brilliant. And I think it's available just on YouTube now. I'm not sure, but you could Google that. And Michael McLean faith crisis, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And gave me a lot of hope and, um, and some things to really talk about with my daughter too, that I think helped her. Oh, that's fantastic. We will be sure to link all these things in your show notes, but but you didn't tell us where to find you. So please oh, tell sorry. us your website. <laughs> uh, okay. My website is um, findhopecoaching.com. And also probably the best way to get a hold of me is just to email me at findhopecoaching at gmail.com. Awesome. No, that's fantastic. And because I know that there are going to be people out there who go, oh, I need to talk to Sarah. She gets my problems that I'm dealing with right now. And it sometimes it does help to just have somebody yeah. who has been there and done that. Maybe not your exact perfect problem, but someone who has felt that level of grief and that level of sorrow over fear a child. And, fear. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Especially We're talking about fear. If you're in the middle of it, yeah. you, you don't have to suffer. I love how you said that. Pain is part of life, but suffering mm -hmm. is optional. And, and I don't think I realized that. Mm -mm, I didn't realize that before this Five and before I got some tools and some help for my own self. And that's another thing when someone we love is in crisis and struggling, the focus and, and mostly rightly all goes on them, even like from your other kids and whatever. I had a lot of thoughts about that, that I had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we can't forget that we have to fill our own cup. We have to take care of ourselves because then we have so much more to give. That just reminded me in that struggle of thinking about my other kids and literally we were all just trying to keep our daughter alive, my husband and I. Yeah. So at that point I had little tiny still I had other little kids who were not teenagers and, and, um, and they paid a price too. They really did. And my father was there in that too. At the right time, I saw so clearly how one of my children was suffering outside of my own noticing. Like, I can't tell you how much Heavenly Father works. You wish he would work every day like this, right? And then it would be mm -hmm. easy. But in those moments that really are crucial that we're not seeing, he'll help us see it if we're turning to him. And, and um, I was able to tell her if this is helpful to anyone, I was able to explain to her kind of almost like your background picture there. If we were standing on a cliff 
and your sister was at the edge of the cliff, leaning over, reaching out, and there's a fence, and we're on the other side of the fence, sitting on a bench watching her. That's where you are, telling this Mm -hmm. to the sister. Where do you think I should be? And do you think I should be sitting on the bench with you, or do you think that I should be grabbing her and pulling her back? And she's like, no, you should be grabbing her and pulling her back. And we were able to talk about how there are times in a family that all the focus goes on one person. And that's why we're here. That's why we're a family. And -hmm. it helped her work through some of the things that she was experiencing. And this was pretty much at the end of the the other daughter stuff. Like this Mm -hmm. had been going on for a long time, but had created some things for her that were difficult. So anyway, that's just another little throw out there might be helpful. That's another thing that I really thought that got me through is um, it's a sacred privilege to be someone's safe place. (laughs) That's beautiful. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.